The time between Thanksgiving and Christmas has always felt warm to me. Obviously, we're not in Florida, so I don't mean it feels warm outside necessarily. I mean warm inside. You know, commercials are more likely to choke me up because they're especially sappy this time of year. Music includes more jingle bells and more strings than the rest of the year, so they're, of course, more emotional. Movies and shows make efforts to tell stories about gratitude and beauty. It's a time of year that I've always been especially thankful to be a Christian, a Lutheran Christian in particular, because we have a name for this period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We call it the season of Advent. Having been cast out of the Roman Catholic Church, I know that we Lutherans are not the inventors of Advent, and there's lots of other denominations who share in the Advent season, but there are many who do not. And I've always liked Advent because of the shape that it gives this time of year. It is a season of waiting, whether you're religious or not, waiting for Christmas when typically schools go on an extended break, families gather, again, in a normal year anyway. But even this year, everybody's going to take time to give and reflect and enjoy We will be decorating and baking and shopping and writing. But we Lutheran Christians also have special ways to mark the passing of time as we approach our celebration of God being born as one of us. We make a wreath with four candles and light one for each Sunday. Some do the same thing with a Yule log. Or maybe some of us buy calendars where we open a a perforated window which is concealing a chocolate each day because we need more chocolate. Or we make a chain and we break off a link each day bringing us closer to Christmas morning. Or adorn a Jesse tree with symbols of the biblical story leading to the birth of Christ. That's another Advent practice. There's so many ways to mark the days between today, the first day of Advent, and our celebration of the Nativity. But waiting for Christmas is far different from the kind of waiting Jesus is talking about in our text from Mark today. Waiting for a specific date, like December 25th, waiting for that to roll around is much different than waiting for someday. And that's the difference I want you to consider for the next few minutes. Waiting for Christmas to come, we know when Christmas will happen. We plan for what exactly will happen. We have expectations grounded in experience of how it will all happen. It's part of what many of us love so much about Christmas. We know what it is, how it's supposed to feel, and when exactly it's going to happen. We're in control of the waiting that goes into Christmas, and that feels good. Because control feels good, doesn't it? Think of some of the other efforts we make to control. I mean, religion is, especially at its worst, an effort to take control of the uncontrollable holy. Religious experts like me, at our worst, pretend to know what words will activate God or what actions will unlock a deeper relationship between you and God. At our best, religion simply provides a grace-filled time or place or way to experience the presence of God. But at our worst, religion claims to know more than God has revealed, all in an effort to control God or manipulate God's people. 
oftentimes, maybe even most of the time, we want control over our relationship with God. Much like we want control over money, over our health, definitely over our happiness. So many books are sold claiming to know how you can be happy. Do this, practice that, live life correctly, and you'll avoid those undesirable feelings of sadness or longing or grief. Take control. Same thing with your health. Many of us feel that if we eat right, if we take the right supplements, if we exercise enough, we will avoid all illness. We will feel younger, longer, and we will look great while doing it, right? And as for money, financial security, well, that's not just a goal that many of us have. It's assumed to be possible. Just be smart. Work hard. That's why many of us, when we hear about or see poverty, one of our thoughts is they must not be very smart, right? They must not work hard enough. They should control their money better. We like to think we can control things. It's an overwhelmingly tempting idea to believe in, especially in the United States of America in the 21st century. I mean, we are descendants of brave women and men who took control of their country from the greatest power on earth. You know, the King of England doesn't control us, they said. We control ourselves. And those of us who are white descendants of immigrants, people who chose to come to America, we've got this idea baked into our very souls that we control our own destiny. The American dream is for us. Be smart, work hard, live right, and we can pursue life, liberty, and happiness in a way no other nation has ever allowed. And our efforts, if done well, will bear fruit. It's just up to me. That you and I have the ability to control our own destiny is a message planted deep inside each of us. And there are so many examples that we can point to to make it look like control is indeed possible. We've won almost every war we've fought in. We've invented almost every useful thing we can think of, from the atomic bomb to rocket ships that brought humans to the moon and back. We feel like we're in control of nature, in control of the nations of the earth, and pretty much anything we choose to control. And then a stupid little germ comes in. And that house of cards that is our illusion of control collapses. Some of us try very hard to stay well. We wear our masks. We avoid gatherings. And we still get a positive test for COVID. While others of us couldn't care less and remain COVID-free for now. It's like there is no control. In the last few months, cancer has hit far too many of our own members, and I have family, I have friends, and not once did I hear the news and think, well, you know, their lifestyle, they just didn't take enough control. In fact, I'd say it's probably the opposite. A lot of these people, I thought, wow, they really take care of themselves. On Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, I, I listened to the Daily Podcast and they spent a day at a food pantry in New York City that before the pandemic would serve 60 people a day. And now it's routinely over 2,000. There's a 14-year-old young man, there's a 25-year-old young woman, and really every other age and gender and description you can imagine. Are they just not doing life right? Are they not smart enough? 
Did they not save enough for this rainy day so it's kind of their fault? Or how about the young person who gets diagnosed with depression or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder? Are they just not taking control of their life? The Pharisees, the scribes, all the religious elites of Jesus' day, they talked about waiting for the Messiah. They believed faithfully that God's promise would come true, that God would anoint a person on this earth who would be a blessing to all Israel. And that much was good and righteous, but they claimed to know more than had been revealed by God. They wanted to control who and what exactly the Messiah would be and what that Messiah would do, what the Messiah would mean even. This lust for control blinded them to the actual Messiah who was standing right there in front of them, teaching wisdom, healing the worst diseases, including everyone, and being God. But God in truth was beyond their control and will always be beyond ours. And so they couldn't see Jesus. They couldn't see mercy, grace, or love. They only saw trouble and a threat and someone who would take away their control. Control had become their God. This is why in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the grieved ones, the meek, the hungry. Not because it's a blessing to be without. Not because it's a blessing to be unwell or to be in need. It's a blessing to really know in the depths of your soul that you're not in control. Because then you know you're not God. And when you know that you're not God, you believe that you're not to blame for every awful thing that happens in your life or the lives of others. And you know you aren't to be credited for every good thing that happens to you or to others. You are not in control. I know you know that. That's usually the point of a sermon, in fact, is for me to remind you of things you already know. But in this season, when we relish the control we have over the ways we wait for a date that's always set on a calendar, we even say, there's lots of countdowns to Christmas, right? In the midst of all that, it's good for me to remind you that the way we wait for Christmas is not the kind of waiting Jesus is speaking of in today's text. There is no countdown to Jesus and his return. Jesus is talking about the kind of waiting that we've been doing throughout the pandemic. The kind where we don't know when our waiting will be over. Could be a week, could be a month, could be a year, could be more. There's no way to know. And that's the kind of waiting that can drive us crazy, right? I can wait for almost any date on the calendar. I can wait for years from now even. Just tell me the date and I will calibrate my patience. I remember starting seminary and looking at the graduation date, which was four years away. That was fine. I knew where the end was. But a dateless time? Some day? That could be today? Or 50 years from now? How do we wait for something like that? First thing, by admitting we aren't in control. There's nothing I can do to know when. There's nothing I can do to pull the time closer. According to Jesus, my task is to not figure out when exactly. My task is not to make it come faster. 
we Christians who seek to follow Jesus are called to simply wait faithfully. Impatience is grounded in this desire for control. Advent waiting, the kind Jesus is speaking of, is a waiting grounded in faithfulness. Our faithfulness believes, as Jesus says earlier in chapter 13, that evil times, like now, are not the end times. End times will be when all that is wrong is made right. The end times will be when God's love will reign fully, completely, among all. The end times will be when our selfishness is burned away in favor of all the fruit of the Spirit we've grown. Our faithfulness knows to ignore false messiahs, as Jesus speaks about in verses 14 to 23. Leaders or experts who appeal to our fears, who are only trying to divide us or tempting us to take more than give, our faithfulness knows to avoid their rumors. Faithful waiting believes that God will reign for certain, but we can't control when. We can't pretend to know how. All we can know is who. And in faith, we then spend this life living toward that who. Practicing acts of love and kindness and forgiveness in preparation for the who. Advent is a season when Christians are reminded to wait in faith. It's hard to do because we'd rather wait with a cell phone in our hand, distracting ourselves until our wait is finally over. We'd rather, as we wait, go up to God's customer service window and complain about how long we've had to wait. Or we'd rather remain happily oblivious to what's broken in this world. Ignore the injustice and the hunger and the need and everything else, and there won't be anything really to wait for. Just enjoy, you know, enjoy your illusion of control until that illusion disappears because control is a lie. The faith of Jesus is the truth. And this Advent, I invite us all to live out of control and deeper into faith, calling out to God in confidence, come, O oh come, Emmanuel. Amen.